0: box Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So here we are. We're <laughs> back. Drew and Chris holding the role between the lines of the podcast universe. Back in the saddle. Once again. Oh, that's an AC DC song,
1: isn't it? Yeah. No, Ooh. that's not AC DC. No? No, who is back in the saddle? That's um that's oh. not AC D C. Ugh. Is I it, don't know. I, I Somebody want, sings to, a song about being back in a saddle. I want to say it's Bon
0: Jovi. No, that's that, that's uh, the song from Young Guns too. Back in the habit, secret of the use. <laughs> Can you imagine? Young Guns 2, Secret the Youth. Why aren't people mashing up sequels like that? That would be awesome. That's my new thing. I'm going to start mashing up sequels.
1: Oh, that would be perfect. Right? Wouldn't That, it would, be that would be fantastic. Yeah. They do it with songs all the time. Yeah,
0: why not do it with sequels? Exactly. I, I, there was one going around. It's the holiday season here in this episode of Between the Line or yep. post-Christmas, but pre-New Year's, but whatever. We don't care. No. So, uh, have you seen that trailer going around where someone recut Elf as a thriller?
1: Yes. It's phenomenal. I loved it. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) i (laughs) seen it on Facebook. I'm like, yes. Yeah, it was perfect. Perfect.
0: So here we are. We're back in. I know it's been a long time. Uh, There's a lot of explanation we can give. Uh, the majority of it has been that both Chris and myself completely buried in work from head to toe, yes. which is a good thing when you're you're having a slow year.
1: When yeah, when you're needing money, so yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so when quarter four becomes like the greatest quarter of all time, yeah, um, as far as financials go. Oh yeah, you just live with it. Okay. Like quarter four is never historically no. for me ever been a great year. Me either. But it's, it's like it's as soon it's... as the election ended, it's just people are like, cool, fine, I got to deal with Trump, great, or whatever. Oh, I'm mine not was during a... the election. Yeah. Well, of course you're. <laughs> in news world. But yeah, I mean, we both exploded doing tons of stuff. Uh, I've been traveling the world. I tried to record podcasts. It just got a little bit overwhelming. I got to work out a better system um, and we're trying to figure that out. Yes. So clearly we we kind of apologize, but I can't really apologize for feeding my family. I can only apologize for the massive gap that has, that has existed between <laughs> episodes. Uh, Chris, you've been slammed. You did a bunch of movies and docs oh, man, and other I stuff. I had
1: like five films, well, five or six films all at one time coming in. And it was like, hey, I need my music. And, you know, I need this music done. I need it done by, you know, within one month. And it's just like I, I had no time. I had no time to do anything because I worked, you know, a steady job at the television station. So it's like, okay.
0: Well, one month is plenty. I mean, look at J.J. Abrams. He did the Star Wars Rogue One score in one month. Did you know that?
1: <laughs> Did you know that? No, that was that was uh, Michael. Yeah, Michael. G. That's G. what I said.
0: J.J. Abrams. <laughs> They're the same person. I'm convinced of this. Uh,
1: I think his was uh, three weeks. Yeah. yeah. After
0: they fired. I want to hear the Desplat score.
1: I want to see what I want to hear what happened.
0: Yeah. Well, I just want to hear the score. I don't I, care I wanna, about it. I want to know what it yeah. sounded like because I guess it was too dark or whatever because Disney seemed very concerned with Rogue One being a very oh, yeah. dark movie and they recut it. I'm actually going to give a, a little short review later on in the show. Uh, yep. Spoiler free, because Chris, for some reason, of all <laughs> movies, like watches all kinds of garbage, but skips the most important possible. This is all movie? kind of
1: garbage, really? Yeah. I watch your movie.
0: That's my point. Uh, <laughs> this is the most epic film to come out in theaters since Warcraft. <laughs> I can't even really? say that straight. <laughs> I actually I own the copy of Warcraft.
1: Is it any good? Um I is, never wait, played wait, game. Wait, wait, let's, let's, is it as bad as everybody's saying it is?
0: No, it's just it's just it's just It's Warcraft. It's Warcraft. I mean it's it's like look at Assassin's Creed. I don't think it's doing very well in the box office. I'm not sure, but Rogue One stomped it and I saw that some other well, Sing was number two and Assassin's Creed was number three or four. I think yeah. it was four. I think passengers beat it. From
1: what I heard about Assassin's Creed, I mean, because I haven't seen it myself, obviously, but um because the first thing we'll see is Rogue One but Assassin's Creed from what I heard it's exactly like the video games and a lot of people are not happy with that why I, guess, that's I, guess, what you... I, I think it's people who haven't played the video games
0: oh got it there is, you know, but that's what they a... said about Warcraft so that's an interesting parallel yeah. A lot of Warcraft fans were like, "Hey, this is great! It represents us which as an audience." I don't
1: understand. It's like if you want to make it exactly like the video game, which would you know seem phenomenal. Look at Resident Evil. We talked about this before. Yeah, totally. They are nothing like the video games. No, so far away. it's no. silly. Yeah, and th- those do fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, that's that's it.
0: So there we go. We're back into our old habits. We're going yeah. off on tangents. That's where we've been. Both of us, Chris working on movies, <laughs> me working on commercials, which, by the way, shamelessly plugging, you can go to crftsho.com to see our new reel and hire us because we would like to stay busy.
1: And you're on Facebook as well. now. Yeah, we, we are. <laughs>
0: I'm back. Back to Facebook. Instagram, go. you can follow us on Instagram as well. Twitter. Um, yeah, I just don't do Twitter very well. Like Instagram is more my jam. I like it when people post pictures and tell me a story with that image, or give me something to to double click on and get into. So yeah, yeah we're on Instagram. I'm on. Uh, you do you don't do Instagram? No? no, no, I do. Instagram. You do? Is yeah. it at scripted eyes? Yep. Good for you. Good branding. Yeah, my personal is at nameless bin, and you can also follow um, frame twenty nine film slash craft show. So two separate entities. Okay. It's f 29 f underscore crf Uh, That's our Instagram handle. There's also a dedicated craft show Instagram, which is at craft show, C-R-F-T-S-H-O. That's what we spun off. So we spun off a commercial company. Yep. Why? Because we wanted to focus film to be film. I didn't want to mix the two. They overlap perfectly. But for me, I just wanted to give our client base a dedicated focus on commercial advertising and directing and pushing things out this way. Meanwhile, our film products stay exactly the way we want. The funny thing is it's, it's the same core of people right. basically in both <laughs> worlds. It's just we're separating them out just to make it a clean sort of, hey, we have two different styles of doing things right. and, and making it that way. And it was a long process to get there. It just, you know, movies are movies, but I really wanted to be able to spend more time um, creating and a little less time just hustling for, you know, the the film side of work, um, which we talk about a lot. You know, I just here we've found that it's a little tricky in the deep south to do that. And so I haven't even been home at one point. I was 50 days on the road. Ten days home thrown throughout there, and the longest I was home I think was forty eight hours.
1: Yeah, I would text you and it'd be like, "Where you at? San Francisco? Yeah. Uh, where you at now? Oh, I'm in Tulsa." Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I was all over the place. It was chaos.
0: So that's where he been. Um, we can't, we can't go on with this podcast. Uh, and, and and to take a somewhat serious note, and whenever this airs, it doesn't matter because it's important. I gotta at least just acknowledge. You know, it's sad when someone dies. It really yeah. is, right? You know, we've obviously people on the internet are saying 2016 is the year of crazy deaths. And there's been a lot of pop They're, stars really that have passed away. It really has. Um, but if you look at their ages, they all fall into that. Right. Some of them being older. I mean, there's like 130 people that are notable that passed away this year. Right. But most of them live past 80. Um, but it's some of the younger ones, that kind of, you know, stir it up. And, right. and when it is a personal person, someone who had a character that you loved. Oh, yeah. Or for me someone who represented what I wanted to see change in Hollywood and in the world and in my profession when they pass away uh, untimely. So it's, it's a little bit painful. So, right. uh, obviously fresh for me is, yeah. is the wound of Carrie Fisher passing yes. away. I do love her as princess Leia. She will always be the first girl I ever like loved. Oh, yeah. You know, princess Leia will always mean something special to me, um, as a star Wars nerd, but as a, as a writer, she means tremendous amounts more oh, yeah. and, and, f- Her voice, she never stood down. She stood up. Was she perfect? No, but she was also a hell of a writer and I stand behind her for that. She also fought for women's rights inside the industry and she wanted people to write women better. She didn't want them just to write a new style. She wanted to write them better, more realistic with a little more of a voice to them instead of being shell. So I, for me to lose her is kind of, she was she had the ability to be a little bit mouthy when other people shy away from it she didn't she ran into the battle and so right uh, just
1: like just like her character
0: just like her character weirdly enough right yeah. so i i stand behind the idea that it, that is a devastating loss for the industry yeah. it's a devastating loss for fans uh devastating loss for women in the world you know just having and an it's activist just, and it's stand a behind devastating
1: it. loss on a personal level as well absolutely I mean because she was the first strong female character I ever saw absolutely I I mean she was the first one I ever saw in a film right I mean of course you know you had Sigourney Weaver in Alien but for me personally it was Star Wars yeah that's it I mean, that's what it was. Well, it no. Is. I mean,
0: I had to deal with my daughter was carrying around a Princess Leia doll last oh, night. And it, like that, that actually hurts. Yeah. She doesn't know. I'm not going to explain it to a three-year-old, but like right. she knows her as Princess Leia and she knows her because she's a princess and that gives her a really, right. but when she watches her, suddenly Leia is doing something right. that Finley can now do, right? right? She can be a strong woman. She can be assertive. She can be a princess and still kick ass. Like it's right. a huge deal uh, to have that go away. So I, I hate it in that space, but I'm glad that she lived an honored life in other right. ways. And that now people are honoring her memory. Well, um, the only thing I have to say about this and, and call me an asshole, I don't really care. Cause I think it's important. Her passing should be a telling of a couple of things. One, you know, obviously she struggled with some substance abuse right. early on in her life. And what that does long term effects to your body. It's going to come back yeah. on you. Like all of us, uh, you know, the same way with like, Anybody that, that kind of goes through that path, um, I try not to ever preach health at anyone because it's your business. I am right. extremely – but just be – just think about the fact that she was 60 years old right, and passed away at 60. That's,
1: that's – the closer barely, you get
0: to 60, the younger 60 starts to seem. Right. I'm 20 years away – well, 22 years away from 60 and I'm looking at it going like that's like – that's right around the corner for me right. right so just keep that in mind like I look at my parents who are 66 this year right
1: yeah my, six my,
0: years plus on her and well, and they're still pretty healthy but still that's scary you know
1: right and see my mom's turning 60 in February right so it's just like going yeah you know I'm hearing all these you know people that are passing at 60 and 60 is still pretty young absolutely. I mean, it is. You know, When I was a kid, it was like, "Oh, you're sixty. Right. That's old." No, it's not. But, it, but
0: our industry is stressful, so you have right. to be mindful of what's going on in our industry exactly. and try and keep yourself healthy, both uh, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, yeah. best you can. And, and it's hard. And, and no, I'm not saying Espe- especially in this business, it it's really brutal. Is. And so, just find a way of doing it. Yeah. Seek out help. Find people that will you know work with you. Right. It, the best thing in the world is have a family. That's what we we are. Right. right? And that's what the Between the Line family is, is, I mean, we've had people come on that have, I use the word minister because there's times when I've been in that place where it almost oh, yeah. feels like a religious experience oh, yeah. to pull me back out. And I've had people on the show, Jax is one of those people, Jamie Ehrman, almost every one of our guests has been that way. But some of them have really pulled me out of a dark space. Even though we put on the happy face, I'm still struggling with it, right? Yeah. And they, they just their words, hearing that, their, their testimony has lifted up my spirit. So, you know, don't be afraid to reach out, yeah. right? And we're here too. We'll chat about stuff all day. So Carrie Fisher, obviously, um, it's a mild spoiler, but it shouldn't really affect anything for you in the movie. It's a Rogue One t- segue. Uh, has a odd appearance. Um, not appearance as in physical form, yeah. but odd appearance as in why did maybe did they do that in Rogue One? Um, there is a Leia bit. Oh okay, and no, so, yeah, I, I heard there. was. I'm sure you did. Like, yeah. the, getting away from the CG thing is going to be tough. But yeah,
1: and of course with a Grand Moff Tarkin, Tarkin yeah.
0: yeah, you know everybody wanted to harp on it. Look, I they both needed to be in it. They didn't have to take Leia to the extreme. They did. They actually do a CG render, and it oh, just okay. it's Uncanny Valley. But and that doesn't hurt anything because again, yeah, the sequel to Rogue One has already come out <laughs> in 1977. It's so weird. So Rogue One is fantastic, right? Okay. It's a great movie. The first act and a half of that film is utter, just terrible. Like I could not connect to it. Couldn't get into it. Did not even relate to the characters. Didn't. I mean, I love the world. It was fun. Couldn't find myself completely willing to commit to the film until a certain thing happens in the movie. uh, A character, you know, transitions to another world. And when that happened, it was like, boom, the light went off and I was like, man, I really like this. And then I was into it. The last act is one of the best Star Wars pieces ever but it's also a hell of a good war movie and it's okay. it reminds me of the old kind of like Guns of Navarone World War II style war movie where okay. people are going to go through struggles in the picture but you're still going to relate to them and connect to them and feel right. for them uh, the performances are pretty good I mean if I'm going to be a nerd I'm, I'm going to be like the performance is pretty good I think they're great I'm not going to knock on anybody's acting Horace Whitaker uh, but there's some that are better than <laughs> others how about that Okay. So the one that I really dug is like you get Donnie in and I forget the other fellow's name, but they're two guys and they they just play off each other so well that you just want to kind of hang out with them. Like you can't help yourself. That's pretty cool. A lot of people are hyped on K two. Uh, Jeff Worley, our colorist uh, that's been on the show before, yeah. the beard. Uh, Jeff Jeff said he's on second viewing. He doesn't like K two much anymore, which is Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Which officially now ties Star Wars to Firefly. As it has finally yep. occurred, and I am thrilled about it. The best though, of Rogue One is the various beautiful insertions of Rebels into it. So you have the Ghost, the rebel ship. You have uh, Chopper in a scene. You oh, have I bet you Hera reference in like, a scene. You have so many Ghost moments or so oh, many Lord. Rebels moments that are tied directly in. And now they've announced that in Rebels, which takes place before Rogue One, Saw Guerrera, or Saw whatever his name is, uh, uh, Force Whitaker's character, yeah. will be voiced and he'll be in this so you'll have rebels so they're tying okay. it all together very greatly and that's a great thing so it's worth seeing in the theater when you have time money or whatever okay. uh, i would see it there the only thing i noticed and this is you know technical right v- cinematography is great vfx are good like they're fantastic like everything you expect especially right. from gareth edwards his sense of scale is still the best in in the business right. not always the strongest story but good scale is the sound mix was terrible really dude there are sequences at least in the theater i saw it in, so it couldn't it, maybe it's fixed But the theater I saw it in, they're on Yavin 4. There's no background noise. It's as isolated as our voices are now. Wow. Yeah, I don't want dialogue to sound that way. I want it to have texture. and and It's it's... almost like there was no body in the film. Wow. Which then leads to the absence, obviously, of John Williams' score. I'm okay with that. I'm 100%. He doesn't have to to... do it all. No. They give you little kisses of it, and it's enough to be like, here's a little moment, a little salt. The downside is the Giacchino score reminds me of I've been a fan of his for a very, very long time. Right. I go back to call of duty, right? Not the modern stuff. The old world yeah, war two the, the stuff.
1: Call of duty. The very first call of duty. Right.
0: I go all the way back to that where I would ha- I'd rip the soundtrack out of the game yeah. and listen and burn it onto a CD yeah. and listen to it. So I go all, and it, it was very reminiscent of that. So it works, but it doesn't feel epic enough for star Wars. right? It felt a little video game ish.
1: From, from what I heard, it's like a lack of original themes in there.
0: It's exactly it.
1: And and um, because I, I listened to the score, you know, obviously I haven't seen the film yet, but I listened to the score myself, you know, being a big film score nerd. And from what I gather is just like, it, it, there was no heart in right. there. It just, it, it felt like it was just, you know, it's like, here, here's the score. Oh, yeah. let, me, let me pepper some Star Wars in there. Yep. But here's the score.
0: That's totally how it was.
1: No, I mean, I, I know the... the I, I don't know if anybody listening knows the story of it. You know, originally, Alexandria Desplat was the composer. Then, you know, something happened. Gio Cicchino was brought on, and he had three weeks to score the whole thing. There's been scores that have come out with way less time that have had brilliant original themes in the film. So it just really makes me wonder, what happened?
0: Well, it might just have just been the struggle or the mandates. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, there's so much on the studio side, you never right. get to know, but... Um, it's good enough. It's just I, I think everyone has an expectation level when it comes out of uh, when Star Wars brand yeah. sets a certain level of expectation. Especially is, when you
1: bring in Jussikino. You yeah. I mean, he's like the well, next John Williams, and yeah. it's just like, what happened?
0: He, he's three weeks. Yeah. You know? That that's tough. Um, so with that, maybe you could conjure up another review. He's sure. checking his phone, otherwise he would listen to the <laughs> F and Segway. I,
1: I, I heard that in there. Very subtle. <laughs>
0: yeah. So what do you got? I, uh, I know you talked about it earlier. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, I want to talk about the Conjuring 2. Hey, yeah. Have you seen the first one? Yes. Okay, now you haven't seen the second but one. But I'm right? actually
0: big fans of of Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. Um so like I follow them on like uh not follow them, but <laughs> Ed's Dead, but Right. <laughs> that sounds weird. Uh that that, that was a
1: little weird. Man. Ed's, dead. Ed, that, ed's dead. What is that? That's
0: like uh Zed's dead, baby. That's uh, pulp fiction. <laughs> yeah, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's um, dead. So no, it was. It's more a matter of uh, uh like a lot of the paranormal shows I like yeah. to listen to. They talk about them obviously, and oh, she's yeah. been on a few times. So go ahead, Conjuring one. Yes, I know it. Yeah, know yeah. It.
1: Conjuring two. Um, you know, I heard it was like the scariest movie of the year. Blah 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 blah. You know. So when I finally got it and I got to sit down and watch it, um, my expectation was a little low. Because I was thinking, okay, this is no way you can top the first one. First one was scary as hell. To me, you know, it was one movie I actually saw with my brother, and it scared him. Oh, wow. He he doesn't get scared of movies, you know. And, I mean, me, it takes a lot to, you know, kind of freak me out. But I still say Candyman is the scariest movie ever.
0: Uh, Dude, Candyman messed me up, boy. I I can't
1: watch. I I still, you know, that Philip Glass organ score. Dude, it's so great. I can't do it. So, I was thinking, okay, Conjuring 2, okay, they're going to try to do the same thing. No. 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 Far... There was a lot of scenes in that movie that were far scarier than the first one. The oh, the that's new great. The, the new ghost uh, was like uh, it's, you know it's not really giving away anything. You can watch the preview and find it out. It's it's an old man and you hear this old man voice coming out of this little girl sent chills. I had to pause it and walk away for a minute. I'm just like I can't do this. Oh I, sweet. I gotta, you know. And then there's the um, new spinoff character, the nun, and which is played by the composer Joseph Bachara again who was in the first one is the witch. Yeah. Uh, the nun is the most terrifying villain I've ever seen in a film.
0: Wow. You're really, you're I'm,
1: put- I'm being serious about this. It scared the living hell out of me. This one sequence, I don't want to give it away. It's playing with shadows and yeah. it's just the way it happens. Yeah. It was like the whole scene was just nothing but tension.
0: Oh, that's perfect.
1: It's like a, like a three to four minute scene and you're sitting there going, Oh God, make it stop. Oh, wow. But there are downsides to the film. It uh, there, there's a there's a scene in there I don't know what happened I don't know if it was just the DVD quality I got maybe it was just maybe it was in the film but there's this one sequence where obviously you can tell it's CGI coming in there and it almost it plays in almost a cartoony moment and it, and it was just wait that was supposed to be scary I mean there was like no reaction out of me I mean, luckily they kind of, you know, fixed it, and but it was just, I'm I'm still, that's still on my head going. That just, it...
0: Stood out. Yeah, it really did, yeah. big time.
1: Yeah. Uh, the music score was great, of course. Uh, and then toward the end of the film, it kind of starts playing exactly like the first one. Uh, S- story-wise, yeah. ain't camera angle, sound mixing, sound, everything. It just started playing exactly like the first one. Right. So it kind of took me out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, and... um And again, you know, of course, they bring it up that there might be another one after this, which I'm pretty sure there will be, but... It, the nine i'm telling you when you when you see this when you see the nine <laughs> will i come up sequ- with a quippy
0: uh, little gimmick for you it might, you yeah, might yeah i'm going to work on it i'll work oh, dude, on a quippy was, little gimmick upon seeing the if, if you don't
1: watch the whole movie just watch that one scene i'll just look then, it up on youtube oh it was not, we'll probably look it up when we get through this yeah, but sure. it was it was so scary man <laughs> i'll
0: have to i'll have to check it out
1: it was it was freaky
0: i definitely have to wait to see that one cuz sarah's a big fan the wife is a big fan of um horror films and yeah. she loves which i did too i love the conjuring oh yeah um it's got story issues on second and third viewing to me it's like oh, yeah that yeah, doesn't that make sense too. but it doesn't matter because it's a well composed film so you don't pick up on those nuances the first and time it's, through.
1: it's very surprising too because both films got a rated r and there's like no f words nothing like that it's just they got a rating r because of how scary they are yeah it's good that's you know that doesn't happen a lot no case.
0: that's like kind of old school mpaa yeah. going, going that, to town and on
1: that that tells you something yeah <laughs>
0: Um, that's cool. I, I, it should show up on Netflix relatively soon. Speaking of Netflix, uh, the buzz on the internet is about a show called the OA. I'm going to give you my review and then Chris, you give yours. You ready? Here's my review. It was boring. Disappointed. Okay. So the other <laughs> movie that's on Netflix that we were going to talk about is, uh, stars our good buddy, senior crane, 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 <laughs> crane, Crawford, crane nope. Crawford. Crane Crawford. Uh, it, it doesn't just star him it's got James Badgedale and uh, Max Martini and Emily Mortimer yep Uh, and that other dude Bruce Greenwood Bruce Greenwood man I am impressed yeah Bruce Greenwood sounds like an 80s singer was he, he ever a singer no no just Jack. I don't think so wouldn't that be great though it would be fantastic. oh that's Lee Greenwood I know yeah. oh. hey, they might be related oh that's true I they should really might be related yeah they could be related at least I know I'm brilliant <laughs> And you should watch My movie Spectral About some ghost beasties And there's a plain Crawford scene or two With mostly Max Martin There ain't no doubt You'll love this film Spectral On Netflix hey. Yeah, Thanks, there it is all right, <laughs> Bruce Bruce <Green> won, everybody, <laughs> seeing see the theme song from Spectral. <laughs> you know, that's what happens. Yep. Yeah, all right. So Spectral, I yeah. uh, I was really jacked when I first heard the the, the concept, it, yep. the way it reads is reminiscent of a co- of a comic book that came out by Wills Portasio. I think it was called uh, Wetworks. It's about a group of special forces guys. They're hunting something down. They end up interacting with some magic stuff that turns, them, like, turns their skin to steel. And yeah. it turns out there's vampires. So they're the only ones that can stop vampires because they can't break through right. their skin. Whatever. So it was a good comic. So this special forces team gets hired then by the U.S. government right. to go around and hunt down.
1: That, that's what I thought it was.
0: And then the movie started. And I was like, okay, this is cool. This is some co- they got some cool, ge- you know, they got cool gear right, or whatever, right? right? And then this is gonna be full of spoilers since we have seen it. By yeah, the way, yeah. spoilers.
1: Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then they're given all this gear, and I was like, oh, they're kitted out pretty cool. They got right, some multicam, right, right. and there's this weird scene at the beginning with James Badgedale where he invents a laser that that melts an ice cube, and they got to test it right. on a frog. One I was day thinking real something. genius in that scene. He totally. <laughs> was. I was waiting for popcorn to show up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why didn't they not do it? And and it's shot really well and cut really really well. Oh, yeah, and it it looks cool. But like that scene served no purpose. Nope. It literally, I thought that that was going to be the I, weapon.
1: Yeah, I thought, I, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, okay, we're going to have a full on, real genius montage when they get out in the field, and Val Kilmer is going to show up with right. his hair, and, right. you know, and. Tom Hanks is going to make a cameo and the movie is going to be fantastic. And, and, and none of those happened. I guess so, that, I guess it was supposed to show you that, hey, this guy's smart. and He can build things.
0: Yeah. He can build just random DOD things. Yeah, he just go. works for the DOD and he yep. works for uh, DARPA and yep. he builds stuff. So then they get out there and there's a bunch of crusty special forces that I guess were supposed to be Delta Force because that's what they said, which it seemed a little bit too big of a platoon, but I'm not a military guy. So maybe that's accurate. So they go in, they start trying to find these bodies, and they they find a dude in a bathtub, and then all of a sudden, a guy, he's crazy, and right. he's one of their former guys, and all these other dudes die, and then you see this ghosty type beast, looks kind of like kind of looks like uh, an X-ray, a running X-ray, you know, you can it see the skeleton. It kind of makes me think
1: of uh, what was it, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. Kind of got, yeah, yeah.
0: got that vibe a little bit, yeah. it's kind of got that vibe a little bit. And, like, when it hits somebody, I guess it kills them. It kills which, their soul yeah, or
1: it's, it's, like, freezes their insides or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's yeah, It's something like yeah. And which, which sounds is,
0: very paranormal.
1: Yeah, which is actually a very cool concept.
0: No, it's great. So now you have these ghosts that can't be stopped. Bullets go right through them. They have no way of doing it. Of course, our DOD friend invented a giant flashlight, literally. literally. It's like Luigi. <laughs> I know. It's like Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, that's exactly what it and, yeah. is. And so James Badge is playing Luigi, and every time they shine the light on him, they stop running. Right. And then when you shine the light off, they run at you. It's really now. Bizarre. Now
1: yeah. when I, you know I watch that movie again, I'm gonna play the Luigi's Mansion music every time. Oh my god, that's genius! Someone please do that. That's brilliant. So the they Bulter have all they Ghost have 3, all that 000. stuff. Yeah, exactly.
0: So except you couldn't use a vacuum cleaner. So they yeah. they, they, they go through all the stuff. They get out all these. You know, it's it's it kind of felt like Alien to me, or aliens maybe. It well, had that it, sort of. It, vibe it did too. have a
1: alien vibe to it. it really and I did. liked that. I thought yeah. that was really good pacing. Even with the tank.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. It, same
1: vibe. Yeah.
0: So they finally get back to some other base or some other fort and there's other people. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then they figure out the only way we can do Lee, this.
1: Lee Greenwood shows up. Lee Greenwood
0: shows up, kicks out a jam and and that <laughs> motivates them. He just sings, I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> and then they just randomly James Badgedale's like, I know what they are. I know what they are, too. They're effing ghosts, bro. I was like, no, they're not ghosts. And I was like, yes, they are. (laughs) No. I don't know why he sounds like Batman all of a sudden. I'm Batman. (laughs) Uh, They're not. It turns out that they are some sort of creature that is made of humans that's a chemical and a proton something.
1: Basically they're ghosts. They
0: science dump it, but they're not.
1: <laughs> I I know. Basically they're the ghosts, but they're they're a scientific version of ghosts.
0: Yeah, they're they're an experiment. Yeah. They're like a huge experiment gone wrong that somehow can do all when these I things. heard
1: this I went I had to actually pause and I go, Wait, what? Yeah, I did that too. Why didn't they just say it was ghosts?
0: Like, why not like you know, okay, fine. And so they're in like this weird unnamed, uh it looks like Eastern Europe. Sort of yeah, vibe they, to ne- they never exactly. They never tell you where it is. Yeah. And so there's they keep talking about him being the angry souls of the dead and blah, blah. That's why they're killing yeah, everybody.
1: Yeah, and they can't pass by iron, which mm. was really cool.
0: Yeah, so then they figure out that's how he figures it out is that they can't pass by iron, which is also very clever in the sense that, you know, then, in a lot of lore. plane shows up with his
1: Creole accent. And, yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> so then
0: they, they, they figure out that these ghost creatures were made at a nuclear power plant. So they're going to go to this power plant. At which point, pretty cool battle sequence happens. I'm going to yeah. be honest with you. It's pretty cool. I was really into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was too. I so was sitting there watching it going, "Yo!" Yes.
0: They go down in and they find where all the these creatures are held in these glass cages, reminiscent of 13 Ghosts completely to me.
1: Oh, I did not even pick yeah. up on that. So yes. they're all
0: held in these cages and, and the cages start to break. And just oh, in course. time, he shuts off the power and... And yet they're still living and they can't figure out why. And then they go down another floor and there's a basement and in the basement are the bodies of all these people that they've taken, which is pretty cool. Like that part I actually dug. If they could have given me a little better explanation to set, not just like an aha moment, but like lead me into that narrative, I would have been much more into that. So suddenly he's like, oh my God, I have to pull the plug. So they literally, literally pull the plug on these people and they die when they do the ghosties. Die with them. Right. Um, and then he gets on a plane and flies home, and they go harvest this material so they can make their own ghosties, which I guess is Spectral too. back in the Habit Secret of the Use, <laughs> which actually makes sense this time. League
1: of the Extraordinary Gentlemen.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> then you have, like, our heroes, like, Clayton and them. They just get on a helicopter and go be badasses. And it's cool. Great. Cool.
1: Right. It wasn't of the a League bad League. movie. No. I enjoyed it.
0: But, like, I like there was such a premise there i was like oh my gosh please tell me this is about a special forces team that is special 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 forces like they're so special like no one even knows they exist and all right. they do is hunt down crazy things
1: that's what i thought it was and they
0: had like ghost oh, and, oh they did invent in fairness they did invent basically proton guns well yeah basically They used magazines cuz they could they've James Badgdale took I, random I know what equipment this movie is. i know what this yeah.
1: movie is it's like the badass version of ghostbusters
0: totally that's there all you go.
1: it is. Yeah, that's all. This is it's like an action movie version. But I have of ghost a theory. Okay. I have a theory.
0: Now I'm not sure of this theory. This is Insider Baseball here, folks. Welcome to Insider Baseball. <laughs> so maybe it's just Inside Baseball. Just I don't in- watch baseball. Okay. Can anyone correct me? The Insider, starring Russell Crowe, baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what it is. Okay. So uh, my theory is that the film t- has that little turn in it to scientifically explain the ghost as not being right. ghost. Uh, because they re- i believe they probably released it for uh, foreign and they probably released it in China and China's not a big fan of ghost stories that just doesn't fly over there very well so by no. making them scientifically accurate right. or scientifically driven then they can actually get it cleared and i bet it played in theaters over there i'm not i'm not, i'm just
1: yeah because just it was supposed guess. to play in theaters over here
0: yeah but then netflix got it and i bet they just did netflix deal here and then played in theaters and right. did the revshire deal so basically it's like it works. It's not. It's not like it's pandering. It's just that they probably may, the script was probably adjusted for that, and it probably worked really well in that market. It's really smart marketing right. to take the idea that okay, well, China doesn't like ghosts. Well, we'll just work our own ghosts in no. and figure out how to do it with science, and then it's okay to
1: do right. Well, see, I, I was looking up on IMDb. I was looking at Clain, see what he was doing next, and I saw Spectral. And when I read the script, read the you know the idea. I was like, you. I oh, my God, this is going to be like a team that hunts down, you know, paranormal stuff. Then they're going to fight something that is, you know, too big of a challenge for them. And then they got to Cthulhu. Finish. Right. You know, something huge. And they got to figure out how to stop it and everything else. And this new recruit that comes in out of nowhere, you know, helps them save the day. With and, science. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And then when I saw it, I was like, OK, this is not a bad movie. No. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I got, you know, and I, I was a little disappointed with the score. Yeah, I mean, because I, you know, of course, you know, everybody knows I'm a composer and everything else, and I, you know, really like reviewing film scores. Uh, the the score was from uh, Junkie XL, you know, Tom Hulkenberg, yeah, totally, and it was just, it was very bland, mediocre. It yeah. was just, you know, anybody could have done this. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was I was very disappointed in the score, but overall, the film visually it was fantastic. It was a fun popcorn movie i mean if you can look aside from they're trying to explain ghosts scientifically with lean greenwood singing in the background with clinton speaking creole you know it it worked
0: yeah uh it's funny you bring up the score thing because i was gonna it's something we had talked about we had wanted to talk about it before which is you you just said it right? right that the score was safe and that's become somewhat of a trend i would argue that maybe rogue one is not to be included in that yet no, because you haven't seen it and I need you to see it with the picture because yeah. I think that's what makes the difference just listening to music I mean there's some pieces that I'm like ah, whatever and then I, I watch it in the movie I'm like oh my gosh that was brilliant right, right? so it's only fair when we're talking about score you got to attach it to picture right. at some point in the space but you know that's one of the things you brought up is like uh, I think it's the it went around for a while but it was the Marvel video yeah, it was Marvel where everyone's like can you sing a Marvel theme song
1: yeah there was like uh, you know can you do Jaws and you're know, like, yep. like do Star Wars and you know do this and he's like uh, you know, seeing the theme Harry from, Potter, mostly. yeah, a Harry Potter. You know, right, right. right. And it's like you know, uh, hum a theme from Captain America, and they're just like, uh, and right. they just sit there. Yep. And and it, it's very sad. I think the only Marvel movie that I can really picture in my head, I, I can't hum it, but as soon as I hear it, I know exactly what it is. The Avengers.
0: Yeah, the same thing. That's what I was about to say. That's the you only know, theme that's, that that's I've That's Alan giving. Silvestri. I yeah. mean,
1: that was you know, these Back to the Future. I mean, and, did he do
0: uh, Terminator Two?
1: No, that was uh, uh, Brad Fidel. Was it really? Yeah, that's a great score. It is. Who doesn't know? Dun 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 dun. And that was all done on uh, like an old. He he did the T two score on like a re. He like reworked his his keyboard to make all those new sounds. Crazy,
0: and it was yes. all computer. But that but that's a thing, right? So that's where we're coming from. Is like right. that's where all these iconic films have because the time and energy and money was put into creating a score right. to make that happen. And I've been on both sides, right? Right. So, again, I can pick apart my own film and slam whatever I want on it because, right. hell, I own it. So, like, Convergence is an example. The score in that's mostly generic, and and I don't have a choice. It's not that Patrick and Paige didn't write great music. They wrote fantastic right. music. But for, for – it, it's not that it feels generic. It just feels – like it's there and it does what it needs to. However, there's some sections of that where we no, literally okay. wrote a theme. The opening was a, an original yeah. theme. And then the big sequence where she crosses the threshold with right. with Clink. that was an original score theme. Then we took those and built them up from that. Right. But that's kind of the challenge now is from a financial standpoint, those guys did not have enough time. Right. So we picked two spots where we wanted to make the theme shine. We wanted right. to shine on the front and we wanted to shine in the middle. And then the ending is a, is, is a callback. And then
1: you have like the opening theme um, kind of come back in this one sequence when right. Clean is trying to figure out everything. Right. Which I thought was really nice because a lot of films nowadays, which were what we're talking about, they, if they do have a, a theme, they don't ever bring it back. It just plays one time and then you never hear it again.
0: Yeah, no, it's actually a problem too in video games. There's uh, a, yeah. you know, my obsession with Uncharted and that oh, yeah. soundtrack. Oh, yeah. There's uh, a sequence that's <clears throat> in there. Like the opening theme for the game is there, but then they do a more ramped up version, like an action version right. or an adventure version. And it is so amazingly powerful to me. Like I get goosebumps every time I You're listen talking about to Uncharted it. Uncharted four, right? Uncharted four yeah. it just blows me out of the water. Um, Brian Tyler had some of that effect from Assassin's Creed. He had a oh, his of,
1: score to Assassin's Creed four, yeah, Black Flag. It uh, was, it's unreal. Yeah. I've
0: never heard anything that good. That like, was I seriously fantastic. that But again, it even got a little monotonous in parts because well, once yeah. once his faded out and like the secondary composers came in to fill yeah. off the roster, I think it happens. The problem I have though is it takes away from a great experience in a movie it to does. me. I really need every element to shine. That's where my complaint about Rogue One was in the sound mix. The score was not there. You couldn't – the biggest problem with the score in that, and again, this isn't the safe bet, was that it was mixed low enough that I couldn't – it didn't stand out to give me those big swell moments. Somebody who does that well and love him or hate him is is Bruckheimer. Yep. And Michael Bay. Both of those guys, their films have these big score moments. uh,
1: It really started with uh, Mark Mangino when he did uh, Speed. Yeah. I mean, that was the one that w- when that came out, I mean, that you can still sit there and hum that, you know, dun, 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 dun. And, and that's when Hans Zimmer and everybody over there at uh, remote control Productions, that's where like, Hey, we like that sound. Let's, right. let's incorporate in this into, I think it was the rock. Yeah. Or, no bad boys. Yeah. yeah, Bad boys. And yep. that was also again, you know, Mark Mancina. And it, it, if you listen to that score isolated from the film, it is very, you know, repetitive. Right. But when you watch it with the film, it gets stuck in your head, right? You know, and a lot of scores don't do that nowadays. They they want to try. It's like every every new track they want to try something different. They want to well, try something. Where
0: are new. you on something like the Drive score? You know that was like extremely popular. Oh yeah, uh, I I personally didn't care for it. I didn't I, it, it did nothing for me. But I understand why some people gravitate because it remind it gave them a feeling. Yeah, that fit the film. So arguably it worked. I wouldn't call it a safe score. I would call the Drive score a very successful score. Yeah, it's
1: very successful, but it's not.
0: But it wasn't orchestral. No so maybe you and I both have a taste. Our palette for that music is maybe a little more orchestrally driven. I know mine is I know mine's orchestral. Well,
1: I, I, you know I, since I'm not, not even a, composer, a huge I,
0: Zimmer fan unless it's his orchestral pieces like I don't oh yeah like some of the inception stuff didn't do a lot for me.
1: Well see, I really like It's iconic I, I, It's I, I, iconic yeah Now see that's the thing with Zimmer. Zimmer knows rhythmically how to attract someone into his score I mean because like um, interstellar. There, there's a lot of those pieces in there where you know they're like, oh, this is so fantastic. It's basically an organ. It's basically what John Carpenter has already done. It's just Zimmer has brought it, you know, back Back full circle. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. right. But and there's one uh, piece where it's um, the scene where Matt Damon's character is you know going crazy and he's going to kill everybody. That's the
0: prequel to The Martian.
1: Right. And uh, (laughs) but it's that whole that whole. It's just uh, like you know a same base of notes. You know, same, you know, riff pattern just playing and it's just, you know, getting louder and louder and louder. I'm like, this John Carpenter's already done this before. Yeah. You know, why you know I, I don't understand it. And then everybody's like, oh this is fantastic, you know, Zimmer, you know, being a genius like he always the man is a genius, but this has already been done before. Yeah. You know, everybody's acting like it's something new. Yep. And it's not. And what we're talking about with the uh, you know, this you know the drive score, I have been on that side. I've had to do a score where it's all orchestral and I've had to do a which I actually won an award for was all synthesized, right. which was like Drive. Right at first, I was completely against it, you know, I'm like, "No, this is not going to work." I wanted a sound design orchestral orchestral score, and then when I watched the film, I'm like, "Okay, the, the synthesized stuff works." Yeah, how do I turn the orchestral stuff into synthesized? You know, I just basically had to, you know, okay, same thing I would do, just bring it into the synthesizer.
0: Well, and that's the thing, though, is I think that's the the beauty of the project. Sometimes right. that's at the director's coming up with that idea and sometimes it's the composer and that's where it shifts. The key is, is finding that balance of, I I still long for the movies where the music is treated with the same respect as they do the negative, right? They treat the film negative or whatever, the digital print, whatever you want to say. They treat that with so much respect. I I like it when the score is given that same amount, when it's given a character, it needs to become, it should be. That's what the joy of movies is. That's the big difference. Now there's like a lot of television that's got better score than films. Oh, yeah. Like Westworld's got some insane great ideas yeah. using Radiohead songs over and Black Hole Sun and all these right. other like popular tracks but
1: see it? it's like a lot of films they won't do that they want to play it safe where you know and it's like horror films nowadays it's mainly a sound design it, there's there's right. not there's no theme there's no
0: you can thank Mr. Bashar for that I mean, well, he, yeah, he I, founded that style oh yeah he really did I mean it, it worked. perfected it I should say He
1: it worked I mean because you know I, I did it for your film you yeah. know? Uh, it works for a lot of times but it, there's a lot of times where it don't and people are still you know and it's not really the composer. Sometimes it's not always the composer's discretion. Sometimes it's like, you know, people, the producers, the director, the studio are saying, we want this. This right. is what we want. We're hiring you just to make this right here. Right. We can't get him, so we're going with you, basically. Yeah. No, and, I'm with you. And, and it shouldn't be that way. There's No, a, it doesn't
0: have to be. But that, But it's part of where the change is coming in the business is that, like, I feel like a lot of the the quality element is shifting away to bigger VFX moments right. and bigger pieces and instead of sometimes and that's where i think we see some of these like smaller films do really well because they have this moment where oh, yeah. everyone was it was passion driven and, and they had to invent a way of of dealing with, i haven't seen one in a while that really moved me like that but there are those you know right. types of pictures that do that that's like the last vestige. That's like back to where it was, like when, when it was all passion driven cinema and, oh, yeah. and it wasn't just about the big, you know, it's all about box office, but it wasn't about the big box office moment. It was kind of pushing
1: it in, in yeah. a different direction. So
0: I don't know. I, I'm curious to see, like, we'll see what happens for best score this year. Uh, I'll be curious to see what's nominated at the Oscars. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, Cause
1: there, there's, um, there's like a couple of composers that I know personally that are up for nominations. And I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Cause I mean, even some of their work, I'm sitting there going, eh. Yeah you know i i wouldn't you know despair. i i think you know, i wouldn't put them down and say right. look you know it was really terrible i'm sorry right but um i mean i you know one guy who actually won an award for his score and i heard it and i'm just like there you know i'm sorry it was there was nothing there was, there was no theme there was nothing it was right. just you know the same stuff you've already done before i mean
0: but it happens i mean sometimes that style resonates with other people that's yeah. the thing about scores and judges and festivals having Finished up judging a festival like, right. you know, the stuff that connected with me is not what connected with Stacy or what connected with Kim, the the other two judges. And right. it was like, I really liked a couple of these films that they didn't care for. And it just the way it came out, like they don't like horror films and I do or they didn't like – they liked this uh, this artistic approach to something. And I thought it was, you know, just... Crap. <laughs> not crap, but it was just like an exercise in futility. Like, why right. am I watching this for four hours? You know, that's how it felt. <laughs> and, but th- again, it comes down to taste. And then the moment and in the mood and in the space. And they're listening to this. And then this song sounds like that. So it reminds them of blah, 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 blah. I mean, right. there's a million things that go into that. My bigger concern is like sitting in that theater... Which is where I, you know, is the is the temple uh, of the film. And right. you're sitting in that space and it's not pure and, and it feels bland, you know. like right. I'm worried about, pretty much, I'm not really worried. I just, I hate it that like, you know, Spider-Man's not going to have a theme. You know, right. aside from Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Right. By uh, Bruce Greenwood.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man,
0: at least Spider-Man. I know where I'm free and I won't forget the web slinger. <laughs> well, Gio Cicchino's doing the score. I know, but that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, he's he, But he's he's the last vestige of that. Like, his uh, score to the first Star Trek is, I think I've said it before, is one of my all-time oh, yeah. favorite scores.
1: The one scene where, the the, the very first one with the opening shot where, you know, Hemsworth.
0: Enterprising is, Young Men is the name of the yeah, track.
1: there we go, you know what I'm talking about. It, there's it's like, it's there's, it's there's no sound design. And see, and that right there, that was, that was not a safe, choice to yeah. go with. That was something completely out of the box. I don't know who who idea it was. You know, it was Abrams or G.H. Kino no sound design, just the score. Yeah, great It was fantastic. Did we talk about the most recent Star Trek? Uh, you did. I finally saw it.
0: <laughs> Tell me how stupid that sabotage thing is. Oh, uh, God. Like kick out some classical. Let, let me put it. To I you like can't, that. and I love that song. It's like, is that classical? Yeah, it's like I. I'm sorry, it just didn't work on me.
1: Here, here's my whole thing. Now, now, granted, I am working nights at a television studio. You know, I work from 11 o'clock at night to seven in the morning, so my sleep cycle is completely, you know, jacked up right now because I I work you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I get off on Tuesday morning, so and then I'm off again until Saturday night. So my, like I said, my sleep cycle is completely jacked. So when I watch the film, I'm already tired and everything else, and I get in my really comfortable chair. If I put a movie on, I'm going to stay awake and watch the movie. I feel asleep through this. Uh-oh. Never good. No. No. I was very bored. Yeah. It was like the whole forest thing made me think of Star Trek Three. Yeah. You know, the original yeah. Star Trek Three. Yeah. Uh, The villain was retarded. I'm sorry. I, I just, I couldn't, you know, yeah. I wasn't scared of this guy. He didn't like Nero or Khan. I mean, because Nero, I mean, it was... It was Nero's Band. amazing. Yeah, yeah, Nero's awesome. And he just comes up and, hi, Christopher, I'm Nero. You know, it's just like nonchalant. But this dude, you're afraid of this guy. Yeah. Khan as well. But then the coming out and, you know, it was just like, okay, this guy's creepy. It was a little too, it was just a little too action. action yeah, I think that's it, what it was. It wasn't a bad action film. No. It just wasn't a Star Trek film to me. No. And maybe that was the you know director coming on board, Justin Lin. Maybe that was the script. I'm not sure. Yeah, it did.
0: It, at the end, it came out, so it doesn't matter. And it did well. Right.
1: And it did really well. There's yeah. another one coming out, and the have you heard of the plot for this one? I don't
0: want to know. I'm going to every Star Trek blind now because I don't need to know that "Sabotage" will be on the soundtrack <laughs> as a classical song. It makes me feel older. Sung by Lee
1: Greenwood. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> We want to get him to sing the theme song for Between the Line now. Yeah, I
0: know. It, it basically is just another version. Just have my
1: have my theme playing. Uh-oh. Just him. Wouldn't sing you. <laughs>
0: it's another version of a Proud to Between the Line.
1: Between the Line. Film podcast. What? Wow. There's your impression. <laughs> Yeah, I, I gotta get one bad impression in it, Okay Apparently to, Yeah I have to do it at least yeah. one time It's become a trend now
0: It is It's part of it People count for those It's a drinking game around I'm pretty sure it is Yeah they drink once And then we just make fun of you so much You shut up I'm just kidding I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding Alright well next. You know what I'm gonna do We've we've hit our, our glorious 45 minute mark
1: We we never stay on time we No always it doesn't go matter over. Yeah
0: um, So You know Well shout out to our sponsors I don't know who they are anymore Ugh People. <laughs> I'm Just kidding. Uh we're still we still have a lovely relationship with screenplayreaders.com where you can go get coverage on your script or project by entering the code between the line at the checkout point. You get ten percent off your entire order. Of course, I haven't had Fosco coffee in about four hours, but still it's in my system. <laughs> Fosco. It's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that little plug in there. That was awesome.
0: Uh, we also want to thank our good friends and yours. Bub Smith at slackjawpunks, slackjawpunks.com, where you can slack your jaw. With some punks. Punk. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, anything else? Any shamelessness? Any shameless plugs? No. Okay, I got one. Craftshow.com, C-R-F-T-S-H-O. Craftshow.com <laughs> for all your advertising needs. Craftshow.com.
1: That's craftshow.com.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really should just go into radio. You might. Hey, talk about a dying breed
1: Yeah, seriously
0: <laughs> Alright, with that, Lee Greenwood's gonna take us out <laughs> One more time I mean, Bruce Greenwood
1: <laughs> See, you can't even sing to Bruce <laughs> Bruce, Woo! you, you care I uh, come back oh in the God. studio And I'm
0: proud to be an American With some ghosts you cannot see And you fight them with laser guns and a laser grip that makes ice cream <laughs> See my movie Spectral, And you can see Clay Crawford Creole <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we have way too much fun on this show And
0: ladies and gentlemen, how <laughs> about a round of applause for Bruce Greenwood Thanks Bruce, appreciate you coming in this studio today all right. Well, that's going to do it. We'll t- Oh, you know what? Maybe we'll have an episode next week. Maybe